Most of us assume that livestock guardian dogs are a good investment for an operation with small livestock, but how many of us have actually run the numbers? Just like every other part of our production systems, guardian dogs are not free. Do they really produce more than they cost? Does it matter? What if predation is less costly than our dog packs? Welcome to Farm Dog. This is Farm Dog, the podcast about the working dogs of farming, ranching, homesteading, and rural living. Farm Dog is presented by Goats on the Go, a national network of independent business owners who provide sustainable weed and brush control for their customers using goats. Want to put goats to work on your vegetation problem? Interested in launching your own goat grazing business? The place to start is goatsonthego.com. Hi, everybody. It's Aaron Steele, host of Farm Dog. I'm glad you joined us today. We've got a fun episode. But before we get to that interview, I just want to invite you to go to farmdogpodcast.com where you can be part of a future episode of our show. You can do that by scrolling down toward the bottom of that first page on our website, and there is a voice recorder tool there where you can leave an up to five minute recording telling us all about what you think makes the perfect farm dog uh, for small farms, homesteads, and ranches. I would invite you to get a little bit creative here. Um, I have long wondered if there is the ideal farm dog for the kind of operation that doesn't need a specialist. We've just got a handful of livestock. We've got some protection concerns for our little farmstead. Uh, We might have some predator or pest concerns. What could be the ideal breed or mix of breeds for the ideal farm dog? Obviously, we're just daydreaming here, but I think it's a fun exercise, and I'd like to have you be a part of it. Again, go to farmdogpodcast.com, find the voice recorder, and tell us all about it. Hello, Farm Dog audience. Thanks for joining today. I am excited to bring you a repeat guest. In fact, if you go all the way back to episode number one of the Farm Dog Podcast, you will find my guest today, Greg Christensen. Greg is a good friend of mine and has been a mentor for me in the goat business. And um, Greg and I just like to talk. And so this conversation could go just about anywhere. But one one direction I'd like to go with it is to have Greg talk about the economics and the financial considerations around livestock guardian dogs and whether or not they pay off and how you would even know. So before we get to that, Greg, can you just give us a little introduction of, of yourself and Tell us where you're located, a little, about what, a little bit about what you raise and what your farm is like, and, and how many livestock guardian dogs you currently use. Uh, yeah, Aaron. Hey, I'm really honored to, to, to be a repeat guest. I mean, that's, uh, that's something. I guess you thought we had enough <laughs> to, to, say to, to say it again. Um, yes, I'm in eastern Kansas, south of Kansas City, about an hour. Um, it's not like if you're... If you were to be thinking of Kansas as being flat, that's not where I live. I live more like what you might think of Missouri. Uh, we're just 10, 15 miles from the Missouri border. Mm-hmm. And, well, we raise row crops. Uh, so we do a lot of row crop farming. But then, oh, I don't know, 20 years ago, I got goats. And maybe four to five years ago, I got sheep. Um and uh of course when we got goats we got guardian dogs just right off the bat because i i didn't know anything about goats and 
And as I talked to people, they would say, well, you know, we used to have donkeys or we used to have llamas, or, but, you know, they, they'd went to guardian dogs. And, and what I wanted to do wasn't, you know, it wasn't just a small backyard operation. I wanted to treat them like cattle on pasture. And so it's, I soon realized that we would, you know, it was going to be the guardian dogs that were, was going to fit our situation here. Um, and you asked me how many I have. And, you know, honestly, I need to take inventory. I'm going to say 25 plus, okay. <laughs> um, you know, yep. uh, because each herd, we have several herds around. They're not all our sheep and goats aren't in one herd. So each herd, I'm going to have three to four, you know, maybe five dogs in a herd. So um, that's why if you had them all in one herd, you would not need as many dogs as we do. But we get some free grazing people that want brush control with, with our goats out on, you know, well, 80 acres, 160 acres. We have one place that's... Um, Oh, I don't know, 480 acres, but it's split up in a four different pastures. Um, so we have to have a whole different set of dogs and livestock, you know, herds there. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And, and I've, I've visited your place, Greg, a couple of times now. And for just so the audience can picture this, um, Greg takes full advantage of the unfair advantage of goats where, you know, he's in a place where there's, it's primarily cattle country, but a lot of weed and brush pressure and a lot of folks willing to actually standing in line to get Greg's goats on his property to, to uh, kind of keep things cleaned up for the cattle. So that means lots of scattered pastures. Uh, how many, how many different, how many pieces of property separated by roads are you on? Would you say? Oh, um, well, there's times that, it would be 10 or 12, maybe in a summer. Okay. But like just the other day, we brought home a group that are about, oh, seven or eight miles away. We didn't want to haul hay over there um, through the winter. So we brought them to a, a pasture closer to home here. It's just a mile down the road. Um, so, yes. And then, well, we've recently reconsidered a few things. We've taken two groups of sheep we had uh 250 in each herd let's say we combined those uh well I, we just did this after we weaned the kids this year we combined those groups to a group of 500 and we're grazing those as one herd and right now they're on milo stubble because of the the uh, hay situation I and mean, we have plenty of hay but when you know, if hay's worth a hundred dollars, we could sell it for a hundred dollars a bale. So mm -hmm. it still costs us a hundred dollars to feed a bale, even though we got it sitting out here. Um, right. So we're, we're every day we don't feed a bale. It's a hundred dollars in our pocket. Sure. So you combined your herds a little bit just to take advantage of crop residue and that sort of thing. But yeah. during the grazing season, you've got lots of relatively small parcels that you need to get goats and sheep on just to manage the weeds and brush, which means you've got a need for a lot of dogs to be scattered around in different right. places. Yep. Yeah. 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 I'd say the smallest one is 40 acres probably, but yeah. 
Okay. Now you said something interesting that I did not know about you and that, that, that was that you didn't wait to have a predator problem before you, you got livestock guarding dogs. Pretty much from the moment you got into goats, you had livestock yes. guarding dogs running. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it was obvious we were going to need something. Um, and so as I went around to what, or whatever you call goat people <laughs> that mm -hmm. I could find, and there wasn't any large goat ranches. I, I couldn't find anybody with more than, you know, oh, I don't know, 50 or 75 head. This is 20 years ago, too. Um, but, yeah, it was obvious, you know, talking to people there, you're going to have a predator problem sooner or later. And I just, you know, I, and that's what I tell people when they're starting to get in. I said, man, if you if you can work it out the day you get ghosts, you need it. You need guardian dogs if you can buy them all together from one place would be great it's not often easy to do usually nobody has adult dogs around that they don't need um, people ask us all the time if we have any adult dog for sale well no we'll have a few pups for sale occasionally um, but if we keep a pup to an adult it's because we need him and you've always got dogs coming in and out of the whatever you call it, dog herd uh, mm -hmm. um, for whatever reason they get old they just get old quicker than you think and or you know they get um, could be hit by a car we haven't had that for a while but we have had it we've had dogs just disappear um, mysteriously disappear sometimes so we always want to have more than we need sure um, yeah my uh, we were my whole family's home for Christmas. I've got kids home from college and from out of town. And we were all fortunate enough to be sitting around the dinner table today. And they were asking what my podcast interview was going to be about today. And I said, well, we want to talk about the economics of, of livestock guarding dogs and whether they pay off or not, whether they make sense financially. And that, of course, led to the question. I didn't know it was coming until those words had left my mouth because the next question was, well, it does it pay off for you, Dad? Do you know what wh whether it <laughs> saves you money or makes you money or not? And I said, "Well, hmm, Greg's going to help me understand that here in a couple hours." And um, <laughs> on Greg's advice, we have go we have livestock guardian dogs primarily because not because we've experienced an intense predator problem, but because we know it's only a matter of time and. You can't just good guardian dogs all grown up or not just around every corner, you know, so you kind of have to, it's a, <clears throat> it's a catch 22 because you really don't want the hassle of guardian dogs until you need them. But when you need them, it's too late. I don't know how many people I've had call me and say, you know, do you have any adult dogs for sale? I've got a terrible predator problem. I said, really? So what happened to your dog? Well, we didn't have one, and we haven't needed one for. We've had goats for two years, let's say. Mm -hmm. Haven't needed a guardian. We never lost anything. But and then they're pinning them at night in a in cattle panels, and coyotes come in, climb the cattle panel. Um, you know, people tell me that they've they've seen it. I believe it. Uh, kids just disappear out of the pen. Um, wow. Yeah, it's it's not it's not. If you're going to have a predator problem, it's just when. And 
and you can rock along and not have any, let's say, coyote that actually does kill. And there's some that kill or some maybe that don't, um, or I've been told that. So, but eventually you're going to probably get one into your place that's looking for a meal. Mm -hmm. uh, Do you think that's the so, case yeah. pretty much all across the U.S. that like the predator problem is just is just a matter of time until you have one? Because, um, you know, I've talked to some sheep and goat producers they are like, you know, I just stopped worrying about it. I just don't just don't have that pressure here. Is there time coming sometime in the future? Uh, I, I mean, I hope not, but I'm afraid it, from my experience, it, it would be just from the amount of people calling saying, Hey, I never had a problem up until now. And now it's, you know, they half my kids are gone or whatever. And it's always the kids that's most vulnerable. Um, mm -hmm. I, yes. I don't, honestly, I don't guess I've talked to anybody that hasn't had a problem. Um, I mean, maybe if you pin them up every night and never gave a coyote a chance, but gosh, you know, it's hard to pin mom and babies when they're just born every night. And, um, right. No, I think the guardian dogs are, are worth it. Just, I mean, okay, let's just look at it as, okay, I don't have to go out and, and physically pin these nannies and kids every night to keep them safe. Well, what's that cost you? And in time and labor and even stress on the livestock, well, it doesn't stress them because I just, you know, shake a bucket and they come running. Well, okay. Um, you know, that works for a while, but, and that might work if you're just, you know, on 10 acres or something, but you're starting to have, you know, 80 acre pastures and several goats on that, but, you know, it's just not feasible. I think for commercial production, if you're trying to be a profit center, yeah, they're, it's going to save you enough in just that labor that they're going to be, um, even if you never lost a kid. Um, Cause you don't know, it's sort of like having car insurance. You don't know if you're gonna have a car wreck, but you're sure glad you got that insurance. If you have a car wreck, um, you don't want to have a car wreck. You're not trying to wreck. You're trying to be careful and do everything you can. It's too risky not to have car insurance. And I just think the same things with the guardian dogs. Mm -hmm. and, and we're not necessarily just talking coyotes and the uh, coyotes and bobcats and the occasional mountain lion that would go through the Midwest either. I mean, um, you've had a lot of trouble with just stray dogs, correct? Yes. Uh, it's so now that we had, uh, oh, I had a group of, of nannies on a pasture and I thought, uh, you know, I took a dog over there and the dog I took over there was actually, I, I took her from a pasture that was too close because she went back the, into the original pasture that I took her from. Well, I thought, well, these are grown, grown nannies and bother those. Well, a guy calls me one morning and said, Hey, there was uh, six dogs in your pasture killing your nannies over there. He said, I had a pistol. I shot, I didn't hit nothing, but I scared them off. And sure enough, I went over there and I had eight or 10 dead nannies or some I had to to put down um yeah those are just malicious dog attacks they're not trying to eat them because they're hungry like a coyote would mm -hmm. 
Uh, I had another dog problem this past summer. Um, and in that situation, we had one livestock guardian dog. The other one at that pasture, we never have a dog by itself. But this particular time, one dog got sick. We brought him home. Thinking, oh, well, they'll be okay there until we, you know, this dog, it wasn't anything we didn't think he'd recover from. And uh, sure enough, it wasn't very long. And we go over there. I got a call from, uh, it was the lady driving, uh, delivering mail saying, you know, something's going over here. It looks like they're hurt. And uh, anyway, we were able to take care of the problem. But it was, you know, we suffered uh, several thousand dollars worth of loss of, of young uh, dolings in that pasture uh, mm. replacements. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So let's break it down here a little bit. I know that, um, you know, very precise costs are probably hard to come by on an operation like yours, but I also know that, you know, you keep pretty close track of things and you wouldn't be using livestock guardian dogs if there was, um, a more efficient and more cost-effective uh, means of predator control. So just talk to us about the costs in terms of feed and vet bills and time. You know, time is at the top of everybody's list now on farms and labor is as big a expense as anything. But uh, what, is a, what does it cost you to keep a, a livestock guardian dog for a year? Yeah, well, of course, the biggest expense is dog food. Um, and uh yeah believe me i know that with that many guardian dogs my wife <laughs> says we spend more on dog food than we do on our own food and i know i mean she's absolutely right um it costs about six hundred dollars a year to feed one of our dogs and and that's an average i just take the amount of dog food we buy in a year and i divide it up by however many dogs we got that year and Sometimes that number will vary or as pups get bigger, but it's going to be pretty close. And it's basically one bag a month. Uh, and if that bag is, you know, $50. So, so maybe that's a little high, maybe. Um, but about one bag a month, 50 pounds of dog food a month is, is going to feed one of your dogs. Um, and so that's the major cost. Let's just say that's, six hundred dollars it wouldn't be quite that that much but uh as far as veterinary you know if once we have a dog spayed or neutered um we have very little veterinary expense usually um oh once in a while we'll get some kind of a skin disease a, a hot spot or their hair will kind of kind of like a flea but it's not not really a flea but we've had that a few times and and we've learned uh some ointment and things do most of our own that kind of stuff so but it does it is costly to get a dog spayed or neuter now i think it's 200 250 dollars maybe now it's really got expensive mm -hmm. uh bigger dog is is more expensive than a smaller one um so that's going to be your major expense. So let's just say you have, I don't know, let's say make it easy figuring you got a hundred nannies in the pasture. You've got three dogs, um, say it's $1,800 dog food. Um, you know, I don't, 
some other economics come into play. How much are your, uh, how much are your kids worth? You know, we mm -hmm. sold some kids uh, actually just last night at the sale. Um, here, I'll just look at it. There were 63 pounders brought 342. I think that's a little over $200 a head. Um, so, you know, $200 a head. Um, that's not what, you know, 10 kids is $2,000. Let's just say, um, I would guess just based on reports I get from people that call me once, if you wouldn't have anything protecting them that, you would wipe out that many maybe in just a few evenings, a few nights. I've had people call me, that, you know, saying that they've lost 10 a night. Wow. Um, you know, and, and, and so, yeah, once, once they find you and find out it's an easy meal, you've lost so many kids that you can't recover even if you got a dog the next day. I mean, it, it's happened so quick. Right. Um, so, so you've got uh, about $2,000 worth of dog, 2000 bucks a year worth of dog in, in every pasture. If you're going to put three dogs out there, is that what you're yeah, going on it. roughly And at $200 kids? That could be one night's loss. It could be. It that's doesn't right. stop necessarily either. Right. It just can continues to no. spiral from there. Right. That's right. And that's if you don't lose any breeding for the kids. Now, when I told you those other episodes, that was breeding stock that we lost. So, you know, what's the value of that? Um, yeah, three, four hundred bucks an animal. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, they're in, in one situation. Oh, I don't know. I hate to even tell you, but it's almost think it was something like over 20 animals that we lost. And it, it just it was happening at that time that lady called me and it just happened to be that that um, one of the guys that helps me was at that pasture because uh, I called him. He said, yeah, I'm over here right now. And, and yeah, it's going on. And he was able to stop it. Um, but yeah, it's that fast. Um, but yeah, of course you may never need them, you know? Uh, right. But I, you know, for the cost of dog food and just, and and I'm not saying, because sometimes I feel like we still have some predator losses. You know, I don't know mm -hmm. that they're 100% effective. Um, if So we don't like to kid out on, so let's say we have 160 acre pasture, like we have a place like this, but it's split into two 80s. That's about the biggest we kind of like to kid on because what will happen, nannies uh, will go off by themselves. And they'll kid, they'll hide their kids, they'll get up and walk around backward and graze. And that kid's just out there by itself. A dog can't be everywhere. That's why we use multiple dogs. Um, and we have some herds with four and five dogs. Uh, but yeah, they, they can't be everywhere. And if it's dark and, you know, I've not witnessed it, but I've been told that, that you know, a, a pack of coyotes gets pretty smart. And uh, they'll lure that guardian dogs away and then come in and uh, take the kids usually on, on a deal like that. But, and that's why I have seen times though, that if it's towards evening, my 
guardian dogs sense it's it's me coming in the pasture, but they sense it's a, a predator. Well, one of them will stay with the animals and the two or three or four will come out and greet me and, and then they'll realize, well, okay, well, it's it's just Greg, you know, relax. Mm -hmm. So um but but the coyotes they get smart. And if you walk out at night, I'm sure it's just the same where you're at as it is here, and you hear the howl coyotes. Um, there was a predator control specialist from Kansas State University came down here oh two or three times. I knew him quite well. And uh but he had told me that for everyone you hear howling, there's eight to ten others because they all don't oh, howl. Wow. Yeah. Um so yeah, because it sounds like there's hundreds howling sometimes. Right. There's probably right. not. But but yes, there's and they all don't they're all not gonna come in and kill your livestock, but all it takes is one. Mm-hmm. Um, have you had any do you do you make any attempt to you mentioned um the one dog will come out and and check out the threat and others will stay with the herd. Have you had any luck trying to team them up based on their nature like that to make sure that you have some of those dogs that come out right away and some that stay with the herd all the time? Or do you pretty much find three dogs that get along together okay and they're kind of bonded to that particular pasture and those animals so they just stay there regardless of what their tendencies are? Yes, the best situation is, no, I don't really know the personality style of every of the dogs in the pasture but what i have noticed is that if i can leave the same dogs in a pasture with the same goats or sheep that things go better um there's not as many losses or uh, i don't know if they're mysterious disappearances i you know um the dogs stay put and the livestock doesn't get out um, if I can just leave them there, leave them alone and they've figured it out over time. And then if I don't upset that, um, recently we had two dogs. We, well, okay. So if we, if we take some goats out of a pasture, oftentimes if we're taking them to another herd that already has dogs, well, we'll just leave the dogs where they came from in that pasture but you have to leave some livestock with them so we'll leave two or three nannies in that pasture with them well, i don't know what for whatever reason uh they got to, this one herd with two dogs and three nannies got to wandering around the countryside <laughs> and we get reports and we were looking for them and i don't even know what got into them we've done this countless times and it's been okay but then we were able to catch them uh lady actually caught them she had some goats that they went to and and so we took the nannies to another the nannies and the dogs the three nannies those dogs to another pasture that had i don't know 300 nannies and four dogs or maybe five well within a couple of days so we go back there check and those two dogs are gone from that mm. pasture they didn't get along with those dogs the nannies were still there the other group of goats and uh so I got suspicious. I went back to the pasture where they originally came from and they were there. And there's uh, no livestock in that pasture now. Um, but we'll take some, we'll, we'll take some there. I haven't decided whether to take some 
and then risk them getting out and going around the countryside <laughs> or just wait and uh, wait till spring. And uh, because those dogs are staying there by themselves and they don't normally do that. Yeah. Uh, that's fascinating. Yeah. But if you can keep the same group of dogs in the same pasture with the same nannies, it just works better. And they figure it out. Yeah. So no sense trying to say, well, this dog needs another more patrolling or this pasture needs another patrolling dog or this pasture needs a really sticky dog to stay with the herd and trying to swap them around according to personality. That just doesn't, there's not enough benefit there to mess with that. Well, I guess I don't know that I'm maybe not, don't pay enough attention or smart enough to know which of my dogs that would be. And maybe it's a little bit like border collies. They know their job better than I do. Mm -hmm. So if I just shut up and leave them alone, they do better than when I try to, <laughs> you know, take control of things. Um, I suspect that's, that's probably part of it. Right. <laughs> uh, so I know our audience is going to be curious as, as to what the breed background is for your dogs. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. The initial dogs I bought, uh, they were, I bought some Akbash dogs. This is like I said, 20 years ago. And then I had some Commodores and I really liked the Commodores. Um, but the Commodores, I, I actually neutered and spayed them. So I didn't have any, pups from them i thought i could get them really relatively easily if i needed more but then i ended up i really couldn't um so they're mostly uh akbash but then i i could get uh, anatolian shepherds are more common in our area and so i could get some anatolian shepherds so it's probably a mixture of that and I haven't been able to find any Akbash dogs for a while. So it's probably been, it's been diluted down and it's more Anatolian shepherds uh, now. Um, and some of those are, well, some of them are more white. Some are, have the brown mask, but I've even got a few that I bought this uh, female from a guy and she is a, a brindle. There's a, a brindle line of them and, she's real pretty and i i've had a few brindle pups out of her too and um but it's but now i i would say it's going to be mostly the anatolian um that we have the most of yeah because of availability locally or because of um that's your preference um um probably is availability although i prefer a short-haired dog that's the only thing i had against the commodores um they would get hot spots on them more easily and i i've had a few great pyrenees and the, the longer hair was it was the same way um and the ones i had tend to roam more tend to you know work the perimeter and and uh, their perimeter might not necessarily be my fence mm -hmm. um but that being said, one of the best dogs I had, she was a black Great Pyrenees. And uh, the story I got was every once in a while, you'll get a black one if you're a breeder and you can't register them. I see. So I got her from a guy that just uh, gave her to me, actually. Okay. Uh, but she she stuck with them. She was, she was a great dog. Huh. 
And what person, like, I think at one point when I met you, first met you years ago, you were pretty much, you were producing a lot of litters um, on your farm. Are you producing most of the dogs you use in-house now? How often are you going out and looking for other dogs? And what are you looking for when you do? Yeah. Um, yeah, we keep mostly our own pups. Um, right now, I've only got one breeding female. We Last year, we had two. Well, they both had a litter of pups at the same time. We had 20 or 21 pups at once. Um, and then that's all, you know, everybody's calling me wanting a pup. And then you have 20 of them and nobody needs one. And uh, so we got one of those dogs spayed. So the, the brindle is still intact female. Um, actually, she has two pups right now. She had more, but at the cold weather there last week, um, didn't survive. But um and I, I've bought dogs. I've bought um, adult dogs around. Sometimes they work out. I mean, you take a risk. The best dog that will work out for you is one you raise yourself. It just almost always will mm -hmm. be. But I've had some good dogs that I've bought or, or someone's given me like this, that great Pyrenees. Um, a lot of times, like I'll have friends in the business that I'll know their dogs, you know, and, and buy a, a dog or a, a pup maybe occasionally. Or if I'm going to keep a pup, I'll probably keep one of our own. But if somebody's got a, a grown dog, I hate to pass up a, a good grown dog. Mm -hmm. You know, if I know the individual that has it and things. Um, but I mean, that being said, I bought a, a grown dog from, gosh, I don't remember how I found out about it. It was out around Hutchison, but the person was coming this way. And brought the dog to me. It's okay. Um, and then the dog disappeared like the next day. And it was going back to Hutchison. And it was actually um, killed on the highway, you know, like 30 miles west of us going west. And it, it was microchipped. And so they traced it back to the owner who traced it back to me. And so, yeah, sometimes you take a risk on... I, I bought a grown dog once with a herd of goats and uh, the dog was fine for several weeks with that herd. And then um, I started getting goats uh, in that herd that were dead. That like something had, mm. it was definitely a dog attack. You'll, or a dog or a coyote. Usually a coyote will run behind an animal and start biting it from the rear end. Mm -hmm. Not and this isn't a hundred percent. But then a, a dog will attack the throat, you know. And so these had their throat ripped out of the, the goats. And I suspected this dog. And then I took the other dogs out of the pasture. No, I took that dog and brought it home. And then it happened here at home. And then I knew. And uh, uh, I don't know. I, I always, I hate, you know, doing something to get rid of a dog like you sometimes need to. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, I'll just chain it up on the fence line and it can bark, you know, if nothing else. And uh, one night it barked, the next day I went out there and it had tried to jump the fence and hung itself with the, the chain, mm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, don't do that, uh, you know, if it's a dog you really, <laughs> really want, want to keep. But um, so I've probably had as much bad experience buying a full-grown dog as 
as I have good experience, but, you know, then again, sometimes, you know, you don't come across a, a grown dog very often. And, uh, yeah, I'll often buy one. I I've had, um, I've only been into guardian dogs for a few years now and I have bought two adult dogs and I, you know, it's about a 50, 50 shot. I've one has worked out amazing. I'd take 10 more of him if I could just clone him. Mm -hmm. Uh, the other one, she was a really good dog, but she could get out of any fence. Didn't matter. You know, I could put her in a tight corral that would keep every goat in. She'd still find a way out. And she ended up getting hit by a car too. Um, so <clears throat> it is really a gamble. And I think that that's one thing that um, I'd like to just visit about with you. We haven't put an economic consideration on all of the challenge, you know, mm -hmm. the time it takes to raise a litter, the time it takes to go deal with a dog and stand there at the edge of the pasture wondering what's going on, which dog is it, who's doing the killing, what should I do about it, should I try to place it in a home, should I euthanize the dog, um, Do I, like you did, do, do you take a risk and keep it around longer even if you know that it's, it, it's probably not going to go well. So like, I think people have the idea that, oh, I don't have to worry about, if I have a predator problem, I'll just get a dog and it's like buying a skid loader that will, you know, just show up and do the job. So is there a financial consideration in terms of all of that time and worry and problems that pop up? Well, I don't know. Now you've made me wonder. <laughs> <laughs> um, part of that, I guess, you know, I'm sure there is some kind of a dollar value you can put on that, but, but whatever that is, I just consider it the cost of doing business. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to, I mean, I always say anybody can raise goats, sheep. What you get paid for is figuring out the problems that come along with raising sheep and goats. And part of that is the problems with the guardian dogs. And uh, yeah, it takes a, it takes a lot to raise you know, pups, they're a real pain. Um, I can't wait till they're weaned and somebody comes and gets, you know, a litter of 10 and maybe we're keeping two and I can get rid of eight. That's just like, oh, great. <laughs> and, and they're under your feet and you want to keep them with livestock, uh, but you don't want them getting hurt. You know, you just kind of have to have a special place for them. Um, I, yeah, I, I try not to think about maybe what that's, cost and yeah and it's a it's a headache it's just part of the business just um you know no different than your fence charger not working and you got to figure out oh what's the problem here um but uh, uh and then you get dogs that wash out um that just don't make it or you know we have a dog right now that you know i i hate euthanizing a, a a dog it's just you know i but there's really nothing else you can do for it they're not pets they're not going to come up to you and be real friendly whether they're a good guardian or not they're really mm -hmm. if they're not a good guardian they're uh, it's a problem to know what to do with them and we have one and and uh god helps me travis he says you know i don't think that dog does anything and he's probably right 
um, it's always up by the dog food feeder. <laughs> no matter where the goats are, there's other dogs there that's taking care of business. But uh, we just leave him there, you know. Yeah. Uh, Eat dog food, you know. So. Right. Right. I think, you know, some of the biggest challenges with livestock guardians dogs are, you know, problems of the heart a little bit, you know, that's like right. in that situation, you're, you're about as pragmatic a guy as I know when it comes to knowing your bottom line, knowing what your costs are and that sort of thing. But, you know, even you have that soft spot where you're like, I well, know. if he's not, if he's not causing any problems, I guess we'll just continue I, to feed him. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, and we've given dogs the benefit of the doubt. There are, yeah, don't think that your guardian dog may not, he might be a killer. He might be eating your kids. Um, they start out eating after birth. And uh, yes, I am sure, well, we've caught them. And they're not just small young kids. Um, we're, you know, we've caught some of them killing um you know 50 pound kids that we were feeding out for the market mm. and sadly oh this is terrible though we have euthanized the wrong dog on occasion mm. thinking it was this dog doing it and it and then it wasn't because it kept going on so i'll usually err on the side of giving them a break giving them a chance maybe it's not maybe something maybe the animal died and he's eating it after it died I don't. Yes, yeah. uh, that's yeah. That's just another part of the business. Uh, you know, it's. <laughs> yeah, it, that's a real challenging part. I mean, I, I've got a very small operation, and I've sat there standing at the fence, wondering the same things. You know, okay, that kid has a limp, in a, in a way that is like that's an injury. Something caused that that limp and i do see that livestock guardian dog pup getting a little too rambunctious with kids now and then so is he doing it in a way that that indicates he'll grow out of it is he attacking them is he you know you got to be sherlock holmes almost sometimes and and that's on my little tiny operation i can only imagine with you with 25 dogs and multiple pastures you know that dog that you said well we euthanized the wrong one well how do you know they weren't teaming up to do it either you know know. um yeah you know it's kidding season and you're out there and here's a dog eating a dead kid yeah well okay did the kid die and you know i've i've read this maybe it's true maybe it's wishful thinking that the dog will eat dead ones so they won't attract predators all right. Well, maybe, maybe he just eats them because he's hungry and they taste good. I don't know. And maybe he killed it or, you know, hopefully not. It's, it's a hard call. Yeah. Um, yep. One thing I've noticed with these dogs, you know, we've had some breed experts on before who, you know, will say that a, a well-bred livestock guardian dog almost doesn't have a predatory instinct. And, hmm. and yet, you know, I watch these dogs, I'm no expert. I've had dogs of several breeds though so far. And admittedly, it's a small sample size, but that instinct's there. There's just a really fine line separating the guardian from the predator. And um, 
it's it's not so simple as the books make it sound that yeah just get yourself that noble protective livestock guardian dog and everything will be fine you know that yeah. guardian dog and this is something we should talk about that guardian dog has saved you money from predators but it has cost you money as a predator itself in the past yeah. do you ever sit down and I, this would be a pretty uh, depressing episode uh, sit down and add up um, uh, how many the dollars worth of lambs and kids you've lost to the guardian dogs no i mean how do you know yeah i mean it's it's out there but how do you know uh, several years ago this was kind of interesting uh, i was checking it was kidding season i was checking it and a nanny had uh triplets and one was dead one was barely alive and the other one was doing fine up sucking well so i was checking the rest of the pasture and i watched this dog as it walked over there to where the standy was and so i had binoculars and i and i'm watching her and she eats the dead one okay mm -hmm. and and she walks off and and uh so I went over there and if I wouldn't have known that that nanny had three kids, I could never have told. I mean, it, it was like two gulps and it's gone. Hide hair, everything. Of course, they're triplets. They're small. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this one kid then is still alive. The other one's up sucking. Later that day, I go back up there and uh, the, the kid that's partly alive is still partly alive um and so i'm just kind of wondering i wonder what this dog's gonna do or no i think when i went back up there it was it was dead yeah and it wasn't going to survive anyway you know you just learned that well uh but it was there it was laying there and so later that evening i go up and it was gone mm. i'm assuming the dog ate it now the good the healthy one was doing fine if i hadn't noted it, i just thought she just had one good healthy kids up sucking they're doing fine how do you know you know you don't know how many and maybe they're just eating the dead ones i don't know yeah um, it is very interesting you know what i'd love to know what goes on in their brains yeah to that that is this very thin dividing wall between the right behavior and the wrong behavior because i've watched a dog before found the dog with a sickly kid a kid that was struggling and um i went over and did what i could for the kid probably dewormed it maybe gave it a little iron something like that and the the guardian dog was laying right there with it which is how i found the kid you know right. and and the first thing that goes off in my brain is, wow, that's amazing. I wouldn't have ever found that kid, never would have been able to treat it if not for that dog. The next day I found the same kid and it's almost as if it had been cared for too much. It had been <laughs> licked until its skin was raw and separating and it, it was about to die. And I actually yeah. had to put it down yeah. and, um, you know, I'm like, I don't know when when does when does this dog decide that's no longer an object to care for now it's lunch yes. you know or or whatever yeah and i've no yeah, i've had i've had dogs that 
would keep their, a nanny, and I've had other people tell me that they've had this too, away from her own kids and, and claim them for her own. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, and and sometimes dogs like that will usually have a couple of herds of uh, doe lanes. We, we don't breed our our uh, doe lanes the first year. We just, we graze them. We have places want or uh, brush control we put them there so we can put those kind of dogs there where there's no kids and then in the hopes that they'll grow out of that you know now i don't know if they do or not honestly if you know we um we don't often give them a second chance but uh mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's you raise sheep and goats. Have you noticed any difference in either the number of problems you have with livestock guardian dogs and lambs versus uh, livestock guardian dogs and kids or found them to be more effective with one group than the other? Or is it kind of all the same? You know, I think it's all the same. But if you have when we first got into sheep, see all our dogs were trained on goats. Mm -hmm. And so what we did find out is that we didn't want to put a herd of sheep in with a herd of goats because they don't intermingle right off the bat, especially, but they kind of have their own social group. Well, of course the dogs are going to stay with the herd that they were with. In this case, it was goats. Right. Um, and so we had to just put a herd of goats and then we took, the dogs, you know, some dogs we had that we could spare and put them in with the, the sheep and they bonded to the sheep soon. But if, if we'd have had one or two goats in there, I think they'd have stayed with just those one or two goats even. Uh, mm -hmm. But now, um, well, and, and now I feel comfortable. We can pretty much switch ours around um, because there's times a year we'll have sheep and goats together. Um, if, if there's a pasture that, um, has a lot of more woody brush that needs some goats in it, uh, we might, after we wean the kids, we'll put some nannies in there to, to work on that. Even if it's a group of sheep that are there and they'll bond, they'll, they'll stay together and we don't have any problem you know, now, but yeah, that, uh, there was a, another friend of mine had, uh, well, he was a sheep producer, had his dogs uh, the sheep and he bought some he got some goats put them with the sheep and just exactly what i told you happened the dog stayed with the sheep the uh the, the nannies kitted and he had a oh, just a, a wipeout kid crop um i mean i'm gonna say he had 135 135 nannies and 50 kids that's a coyote problem so see how they could wipe you out now he's gonna remedy you know we talked about what we need to do to fix that but um yeah it's tremendous right wow that almost makes this next question sound a little bit silly but let's just uh just go with me on this one for a minute we kind of established that if you if you have if you need three dogs in a pasture those three dogs are going to cost you about two thousand dollars that year if i could tell you um if i could just freeze 
your predator loss at $1,800 worth of lost breeding stock and kids or lambs, okay? And you didn't have to have dogs anymore. Would you spend a little extra money just to know that you're not, um, that you're not losing animals in that way? Or would you say, um, well, that's the bottom line. You know, it's actually cheaper to take the predator loss than it is to keep guardian dogs. Where would you fall? What, what decision would you make? Well, no. So you're saying if I, if I would not have a, if you guarantee me no guardian loss, more than my dogs cost. Right. Would I would I keep dogs anyway? Yeah. Um no. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, you know, because it's a break even deal and you've got those yeah. other considerations, just the um it's another layer of the operation yep. that you gotta manage. And it's not bad if you only have, you know, one or two or three dogs in one pasture, but when you got twenty five, I I I would say even if you had, you know, one pasture and, and three dogs and, uh, I mean, that would be like saying, well, you know, if you hire me, I'll guarantee that, uh, you won't lose any more than $1,800 worth. And you spent your night out there. Well, then if you're, yeah, if I knew that I wasn't going to lose them, I I wouldn't hire you because right. it cost me eighteen hundred dollars anyway, and it's just one more thing I have to deal with. Yep. And then you have to multiply, you know, any even a small extra expense gets multiplied over a large farm operation. But yeah. I'm imagining a lot of small farms out there, you know, with their their herd of twenty five to fifty goats or, you know, that sort of thing. And they're they're probably thinking you know, even if the bottom line is better without dogs, I I would still have dogs because I can't envision, I can't imagine yeah. just looking at the predator loss like it's just a number, you know, on my P and L as opposed yeah. to, I just, you know, I just can't let them go that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, and okay, so that's because they're pets. Right. As much as much as guardian dogs, they have, you know, and and. Even though I have a, I, like I told you, I don't like to euthanize a dog. I give them a second chance. But all, all my dogs, Border Collie, I mean, we don't have pets. We've never had pets. The Border mm -hmm. Collies kind of pull their weight. Um, you know, now they get older and they retire. And yeah, we, we sure cut them some slack. Um, the Guardian dogs, same way. Um course they get older they're retiring we cut them some slack but uh yeah they're yeah to me they're not pet they're like a hammer they're like a, you know, any other tool that we have kind of sounds i don't know heartless but and, and i like them don't get me wrong it's not it's just we don't think of them that way so much um you know although we have our you know favorites and uh but if we didn't have goats, we wouldn't keep dogs just because they're fun. You know? It, yeah. Um, it's got to make financial sense. I mean, yeah. I put you in a position to make you sound cold and hard, but uh, <laughs> basically what you're just saying, what you're saying is I'm not going to invest in a, um, a tool unless it makes financial sense for my farm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's right. You don't need farm mascots. 
you know, you, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And as we talked before, I mean, most, most people, uh, don't know their expenses on their farm. Don't, you know, whether they're raising cattle, sheep, goats, <clears throat> raising dogs. Um, yeah. And, but we try to, you know, we write down every bale of hay we feed every, um, you know, I can divide how much dog food we buy a year by how many dogs we have. It's, uh, it's a business. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. not doing it for fun. Oh, it is fun. But. Yeah. So um, the idea has been brought up on this podcast a couple of times that kind of makes sense to me that um, even with cattle, where you don't have nearly the kind of predator concerns that you have with sheep and goats, the livestock that guardian dogs can actually return some benefit to your bottom line simply because they're reducing stress on your cattle. You know, having... During calving season, having a bunch of coyotes running around the pasture increases stress and therefore you know, reduces gains and may have an effect on their overall health and immune response and that sort of thing. Now, you've, you've had cattle most of your life until just very recently. So would you put any stock in that idea that there is um, some financial benefit to livestock guardian dogs for cattle also? Well, I mean, I've... I've seen multiple coyotes out in a pasture of cows that are calving. The cows don't pay any attention to them. The cows don't pay any attention to them. Don't mm. look to me like they're under stress, but the coyotes not chasing them and trying to kill one of them at the time. Maybe. So I'm not going to say that that couldn't be true. I've not witnessed it. Um, I, I could see that, that if the cattle bond with the dog, uh, and are comfortable with the dog around it. Most calving cows are not comfortable with your dog around them. You know, a border mm. collie has to be pretty sharp to to be able to, to work cows with calves on them. Um, so I could see that. I would think they'd have to be really comfortable with the dogs or the dog itself is going to cause stress um, more than, you know, maybe a coyotes would. But sure. I've not I've not witnessed the coyotes. Uh, I've seen them out in the pasture multiple times with cows, and never really seen a cow chasing one off even. Mm. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So as we wrap up here, tell us a little bit about Sally. We've been, and this is a great time for me to direct our listeners to uh, your YouTube channel. Just search for Grandview Livestock. You will see all of those cool livestock guarding dogs, you almost can't keep them out of the frame, can you, when you're doing videos? They're just always present when you're out doing yeah. those videos in the yeah. pasture. But you'll get a chance to see uh, Sally yeah. and Autumn, the Border Collies. Autumn, do I have that right? Yes, right, yep. 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 So tell yeah. us about Sally in particular. Okay, Sally's about so maybe six months old now, Border Collie. Um, I've introduced her to sheep in our pen i uh i mean i keep a long cord on like probably 16 foot long to catch her because she has got a lot of drive a lot of instinct and once she gets that in her mind she doesn't pay attention to you you know mm -hmm. um and you know right now i'm just i'm taking her with me 
out in the pastures. She rides on the floor of the cab of the pickup. Um, she doesn't ride the seat on the dash. She doesn't get her buddy paws up on stuff. She rides on the floor. Um, yeah, the last video, and, and uh, I'll just give you a, a, a pointer. If, if you're training a dog in the, in the pickup like that, and you get out to open the gate, roll your window down enough that you can get your arm in and unlock your door just in case the dog locks you out. <laughs> I've learned that before. <laughs> um, yeah. Don't leave them in there too long. They can chew up upholstery. Um, she's chewed up. We keep a clipboard that we write down everything. We, every bell of hay that goes out and it stays in the pickup. She's chewed it up twice. <laughs> now. You think I would, you know, it's my fault. You think I would learn, put it up on the dash where she couldn't reach it or something. But like right now, she's learning to ride in the pickup, learning just to um, do what I tell her as far as come, down, stay, those kind of commands. And as soon as I put her in livestock, she forgets all that. It's just, a, <laughs> I mean, you just have to work with them. And then you, you, you get them to learn it away from livestock, then take her towards the pen where maybe some sheep are, but not in the pen. Mm. Get her to pay attention to you doing that close to them you know you may have to work you may have to start 40 feet away and work a little closer and uh but yeah she is she's gonna be a handful um a lot of drive a lot of instinct um yeah and i help with autumn now she's uh border collie she's probably about five years old um and I can, I use her too to help train this dog as far as just moving the animal. I, I get three or four. Um, I like to use sheep to start with. They'll follow you better. They'll stick together better. And I can move those animals around with Autumn depending on where Sally is. When I'm watching it on YouTube or something, I got a fully trained dog and they're six months old. I'm like, boy, I'm not a very good dog trainer, you know. <laughs> but, uh, uh, so she's not that way at all, but you know, she's got like, she has a lot of potential, but I take her with me. And that's one of the things you got to do is introduce those dogs to your livestock guardian dogs. When you're out and about, mm -hmm. um, put them on a, on a leash kind of a thing, a long cord, let them sniff each other. Nine times out of 10, it's going to be the border collie. That's going to try to cause the trouble with the guardian mm. dog. I, it just every time the the smaller dog feels threatened and will snap at the larger dog, you know. I see. And it doesn't take very much of that, and the larger dog will fight back, or and sometimes they just walk off. They, you know, they're confident in their in their manly dogliness. I guess they don't have to, <laughs> uh, you know, beat up the little dog. But yeah, at least the smaller dog is going to be the problem causer. So start doing that before you. Um, take a border collie out and decide to gather your animals with it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's the, uh, what's the biggest task that you ask your border collies to do? I mean, you're out in these pastures that are, you know, 60, 70, 80 acres, sometimes bigger. Are you sending them out on a big gather or do you usually, um, do you usually run through the pasture with, um, on your quad first and kind of round everything up a little bit? What are your expectations for your dogs? When you have too much help, you you won't have a good dog. 
but I mean, if you have too much, um, like, like too many people helping you, mm -hmm. you know, it's when you're, it's when you have to have a good dog that you make a good dog. Like it, when, when I was just doing this operation by myself and, and I had a dog and he just got good because I had, you know, I made it because I needed a good dog. And so now if, if I'm just going out by myself to gather a group, um, the dog is much more, um, well needed. And, but if there's three of us going out to gather up a, a pasture, I kind of kind of keep the dog reined in a little bit because, well, she wants them to go faster than they need to, and we're taking our time or something. But to answer your question, if it's just me, I'll let I'll go out on the quad. I'll have the dog in a in a box that's strapped to the back, and uh, I let her jump out and run along beside me for for a while, and then I'll send her out. Like maybe I'm not to the end of the the pasture yet, and they're still livestock in front of me i'll mm -hmm. let i'll send her out and uh give her a you know a, i'll say bring them up or i'll either say or i'll say come you know come by or away to me but if i say bring them up she knows that bringing them towards me so when they get towards me and maybe the corral is behind us well then we're going to be driving so that same dog then that just gathered then i'll be saying well push 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 and and they'll they catch on it so fast and they'll understand when you're behind them pushing that's what they need to do mm. um you know and, and, and there's a method to train them to drive border college natural instinct is to gather so that's what you want to do with them to start but as they don't teach them to drive first teach them the commands together but then you know then as you want to teach them to drive get you know an alleyway works good that you've got animals in front of you and you can you know walk them and drive them down the alleyway saying push 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 and then you can you can send them around to bring them back to you mm -hmm. and let her gather them bring them back to you and then get behind them with you again and say you know push 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 or walk up or or like that but um yeah really having a border collie and and not having enough help is part of it's the funnest part of the job because then you know you get to go out and and uh handle livestock and outthink them and um yeah it, 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 you know we never we never have anything get away from us it's like they're not they can't get away they, right um, so yeah that's that's probably the funnest part of our job everybody here that's that's well i'll say it's part of the problem but we all like to go out and gather them so you don't want to leave anybody at home because they don't they don't want to do you know, we get to do the fun stuff. <laughs> uh, and there's lots of times we're driving. We have several places we drive, five hundred sheep, a couple hundred goats, down the road, past people's houses to another pasture. You know, in a mile, mm -hmm. maybe a mile and a half. Um, and that's fun. It's just you know it's kind of the finesse of it. You know how. How well can you handle them and keep them out of somebody's yard and and just not stress them out, not have them run full bore? Um, so yeah, that that that's how I got into ghosts to start with was training the a border collie. But okay, yeah, okay. Well, Greg, um, just one more thing I want to 
chat with you about before we go. Um, first of all, thank you so much for joining me again, but um, tell us a little bit more about your YouTube channel um, and about the the book you wrote and also your most recent book, your collection of some of your writings um, called Seeing God's Hand on the Farm. Uh, yeah, the, the YouTube channel, I guess, I don't know, it's been a couple of years ago now. Um, I told my wife when I said, you know, I think I'm going to start a YouTube channel. It's first of the year, like January 1. <laughs> uh, I think it was two years ago. She said, why do you want to do that? Why do you want another job? I said, I just always wanted to do it. And I think what we do is kind of interesting and people would get some good out of it. And um, and so, yeah, I started that and, and I try to put things and I don't put something up every day. Um, I think that would get monotonous. That would be too much like a job. But I try to post something that people can learn something from. Um, I don't post many things like, well, you know, here we are um, visiting my aunt and uncle or doing this or, you know, some personal that I'll put on, you know, if we're working livestock, what vaccines we're giving them, why we're doing it, what, uh, maybe what type of worm or what we're doing there, um, our facilities, those kind of things. Uh, but went up last night about, you know, showed the sale barn we went to, um, how they sold a, a videotape to us, the, the livestock we took, they were selling, um, those get a lot of people watching those. Um, and well, before that, I think it was in, uh, I don't know, 20, no, 2012, probably. Uh, yeah, I wrote a book. I don't, somebody was here and they, we were going around the pasture. They said, man, you just, you ought to write a book. I can't write all this information down. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't even remember. didn't seem that hard at the time. And I just started writing some stuff that winter. And I self-published the book. It's not very difficult to do that anymore. Um, this, uh, you know, about raising commercial sheep and goats. I could find a lot of goat books that were for small hobby farm type things or something that takes, see, we can't spend a lot of time trimming hooves or, you know, doing some kind of micromanagement. Um, so that that's the angle that the book I wrote uh, comes from there uh, is, is more commercial goats and, and larger operations. And then, yeah, I don't remember. I think it's, probably 2015, I started writing these devotionals, just typing them out in them some mornings, um, seeing God's hand on the farm. It was things that, well, sheep, goats, our cropping operations, some things that God would just teach me through livestock. And a short, like, three, four pages. Of, you know, the, the book has 50 devotions in it. Um but each one is three or four pages and it has some pictures that I, I took myself of, yeah, mostly sheep and goats, uh, but some farming operations we do. Um, and actually I, I'm still writing them. I, one day I, my wife asked me, she said, well, what are you going to do? Cause I was putting them up on Facebook occasionally. And so every Saturday I put one up and she what if Facebook one day just decides, Hey, we don't want, that kind of stuff up there anymore and i said well i don't know well, you ought to put them in a book and that's when i 
put it in, post in a book. And I'm still writing some. Maybe I'll I'll do another uh, edition. But uh, any, for now, they're on Facebook. If you want to, uh, if you want to friend me and look them up on Facebook uh, every Saturday morning, I put one on summer out of that book. Some are new ones I've written. Excellent. So we will be sure to put um, notes on where you can find those things in the episode description here. But just to call out the titles again, the devotional book is called Seeing God's Hand on the Farm. Um, and your book about raising meat goats is, is called Raising Meat Goats in a Commercial Operation, I think. That's, is that correct? That's right. Yes. Yep. yep. Uh, both by Greg Christensen, and also you'll you'll find it very interesting to check out Greg's YouTube channel. Just search for Grand V Livestock, and you'll find him. Greg, thanks so much for your time. It's really fun to talk to you. Yeah, it's always yeah, it's always good, Aaron. Thanks for listening to Farm Dog. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes, please subscribe, leave us a positive review, and tell someone about it. Thanks.